Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Today, we started out looking at what a friend we have in Jesus. And as Karen said, look at how we would have spoken in our Jamaican dialect. We say, imagine me, what a, what, what a man, man, what a man, man. What a man can run fast, man. What a friend he is, man. And we would have, well, for me, I would put a man at the end of mine. You may not have put a end at the end of yours. But it's to place emphasis on how good of a friend he is. And this morning, I want us to focus on that friend that we started talking about. We want to look at the wisdom that comes from him. And this morning, I pray that you prepare your hearts and your, your hearts to receive and your ears to hear so that you will obey. The Father, thank you. I thank you that I get to do this. I thank you that I get to be used by you. Father, I get, I'm glad that I get, I see the privilege of you speaking through me so that we will hear. I see the opportunity, Father, to come before you and allow you to explain your words and make them simple to me so that I can simplify them for your people. I thank you, Father God, that you have taken the time to call me. And not only do you call me, but you have gingerly walked with me as I yielded little in incrementally, little at a time to you. Father, this morning, the words, are not my words, they are your words. And so I pray that these words will accomplish exactly what you desired it to accomplish. Father, in NLH, we are not lacking the words from the scripture. We are never and never taught words just to motivational speech. We're always dissecting and going into the word. That's the direction you have led us this far. And so, Father, I pray that as we listen, as we hear this morning, it will not just be a word that we hear and we forget tomorrow, but it will be a word that will be resonated, will resonate in our hearts, a word that will bring the change it was intended to bring about, a word, Father God, that will mobilize us to the next point, a word, Father God, that you can, you, you, you can, you, you can trust us with, knowing that, Lord, it is not just going to be another word. But it will be a word, Father, that, that was, will accomplish what you had intended it to do in our lives so that we can go and serve others. So, Father, let your word this morning minister to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we have been journeying through the book of James. And we have been doing this now. This is our seventh week of the book of James. We did three, three parts in, in James 1, two parts in James 2, and this is our seventh teaching on James coming from James chapter 3. So, but, so, so we have been looking at from chapter 1 to chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and what we recognize that what James was providing is a tool or tools for Christian living. In chapter 1, James encourages believers to consider trials and temptations as opportunities for growth and, for and, and to develop in perseverance or to cultivate perseverance. 
he emphasizes the importance of seeking God's wisdom to live out that wisdom in one's action. So James is saying, all that I have provided for you is, is, is a practical tool that will build the faith that calls you to exercise the gift of faith that you have, you have received upon believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. James argues for genuine faith that is accompanied by deeds. And in essence, what Paul, um, James is saying, faith works. From chapter one to the end, we'll see that faith works. So James is arguing and he's saying, let your genuine faith be accompanied by the things you do. Let your actions show the faith that you claim to have or the faith, faith that you profess to have. Let the transformed life that you live be an evident, be evidence of what you believe. In chapter two, James warns believers against showing favoritism and partiality. And he said, if a rich man comes in and you give him a, a seat and the poor man comes in and you say to him, stand over there or sit on the floor. James said, you are showing partiality. And there is th th that shows that your faith that you professed in Christ is not mature. James uses the, 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 the stories of Abraham and Rahab to illustrate that there is indeed a connection and a relationship between your faith and your actions, between my faith and my actions. In essence, I will repeat, James is saying to you and I this morning that our faith must be put to work. Our faith must show up in what we do. Our faith must demonstrate the lives we claim that we are living. In chapters 3, verses 1 to 12, which we dealt with last week, James discusses the power and potential of the unruly tongue, and he urges believers to control their speech. We see James telling us from, from chapter 2, he says, be, be slow to speak. Be quick to listen, to be slow to, be get, to get angry. And again in chapter 3, we're hearing James says, control your speech by controlling that unruly tongue of yours. He emphasizes the need for wisdom in communication and he warns against the destructive nature of our unbridled tongue. Last week we looked at the fact that our Speech is far more than our spoken or verbal words. Our speech is also about our thought life, the thing that we think but that nobody is seeing. Because James is saying it influences your actions. Your thoughts influence your actions as well as your spoken words influences your actions. James draws parallels, parallels between fresh and bitter water, the fig tree bearing olive, highlighting the inconsistency of us praising God at in one moment and cursing or speaking negatively about others the next moment. Just as fig trees are expected to produce fruit, James says, believers are encouraged to bear fruit such as love, peace, joy, compassion, patience, humility. Just as fig trees consistently produce figs, James says, believers are encouraged to consistently live out their faith, reflecting God's nature in our character. This morning, I want to, as we move on to this, to verses 13 and 18, which was eloquently read by my mother, 
James is saying to us this morning that the person who fears the Lord is wise and understanding. So at the end of, of, of analyzing verse 12, James went straight to the heart. And in verse 13, he poses a question, a rhetorical question, and he says to those he wrote, including us, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? That's a question that James asked that I want you to reflect on as we go through this message. In looking at this question, you and I will observe that our action is an, inevit in, uh, is an inevitable outgrowth of our wisdom and our wisdom influences our action. It is similar to the chicken and the egg. Which one comes first? Is it wisdom that comes first or my, or, or my action that comes first? James is saying the one who is wise and understanding among, amongst us, if you are the one wise and understanding, what comes to mind? What is wisdom and what is understanding? Think about it. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? And I know if in a different setting, you would have said, I am wise and I am understanding. That's what you'd say about yourself. So I want you to open your mic and give me an idea. What is wisdom and what is understanding? Go ahead. I see two persons unmuted. Karen and Richard, one of you go ahead. In the context of what we're discussing, I would say wisdom is knowing the things of God and understanding is applying what it is that we know. Okay. Richard, thank you, Karen. Richard? Well, I think the, the second half of the verse answers it. It says, show your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. So wisdom is portraying the character of God in, in what you do, how you live your life. Okay, thank you so much. So you notice when we ask um, Bible scholars things, they can only they use Bible to interpret to, to give you the answer. Nobody use uh, Merriam-Webster anymore. Nobody use regular dictionaries anymore. Understanding. Go ahead, Lauren. So wisdom is, I would think, you know, in layman's term, not anything to do with biblical, but it's just looking at the pros and the cons and making a best the best decision about something and understanding is when you're able you're given um something is presented to you and you're able understanding is able to put it into your own words you can say 
to someone what it is that you interpret it to be. Okay, thank you, Laura. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The definition I'll share with definitions I'll share with you this morning are as follows. Understanding is a deep level of comprehension and the grasping of a meaning of a meaning or idea and significance of a particular subject, situation, or concept. Understanding involves mental processes of gaining insight, knowledge, and awareness coupled with the ability to apply this acquired knowledge in various contexts. So when you and I understand something, we, we gain the, 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 the it's a level of comprehension that you and I gain particular in, in response to what it is that we're trying to gain understanding about. It is, it is a mental processing as Laverne mentioned that you 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 understand I'm using back the word so using a, using a word to explain another to explain the same word is not the right thing to do but it it goes beyond you just hearing but it's about you knowing. There is that part of knowledge that comes with understanding. Understanding requires insight. It requires an awareness that comes from knowledge. On the other hand, wisdom is the skillful application of what you understand and know. Wisdom needs to be experienced because you're going to take what you know you're going to take what you understand and then you're going to apply it to a situation. Wisdom helps you to make a well-informed and thoughtful decision. Without knowing, you, you don't know what to do. With, you're in a situation and without having the wisdom, you do not know what to do. Wisdom goes beyond the mere gathering of information to incorporate a thoughtful and discerning approach to problem solving and decision making. Wisdom is revealed in our actions, by our actions. James says, whoever is wise and understanding. In essence, he's saying the kind of person who is wise and understanding, this is what they do. And Richard alluded to that. In Proverbs 9 verse 10, the psalm, the, 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 not the psalmist, the, the Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Notice how he uses the two words to explain. He says, when you fear God, you gain wisdom. When you get, understand, when you get knowledge of the Holy One, you gain understanding. In essence, what the verse is highlighting is that the foundational role of fear of the Lord in the pursuit in the pursuit of true wisdom and understanding. Fear, which refers to deep reverence, awe, and respect for God, is the starting point of genuine wisdom. And it has its roots in acknowledging God's sovereignty. Proverbs 9, verse 10 implies that personal and experiential knowledge of God provides insight into his character, his greatness, his authority, his holiness, and his will. This verse shows the connection between the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, 
true wisdom and understanding and that any pursuit of wisdom that neglects or excludes a recognition of God is incomplete, worthless, and ultimately futile. So from this text, we can answer James' question. The person who fears the Lord is wise and understanding. From verses 14 to 17, we learn from James that there are two kinds of wisdom. Heavenly wisdom, earthly wisdom. James says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it's demonic. It actually didn't say and, he said comma, meaning that he's going to show other things. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. So in essence, you could say the wisdom that James is talking about, the earthly wisdom, not only is it earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, but it has, it, 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 it has the characteristic of selfish ambition, of evil practices, and of disorder. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So James contrasts the earthly and the heavenly wisdom. And what in essence is saying that they are characteristics of both. The earthly wisdom as the characteristics of being of bitter envy, of jealousy, of selfishness. It is unspiritual and it's demonic. It is earthly because it is logical and it's the wisdom that the world promotes. Think about it. The world looks at, have a decision to make. The, the, the world is not concerned about what God says about it. The world comes to this problem with logical mind because the world has a brain, right? And the world said, this is how we do this. This is how we solve that problem. This is how we fix that problem. So, so, so the earthly wisdom tends, tends to be logical. It uses the brain to think because it does not rely on God. There is no fear of God that produces that wisdom. So bitter envy, which, which James speaks about as the characteristics of the earthly wisdom, is the feelings of discontent and resentment that we feel when someone else is succeeding or being blessed. So you hear of a friend being promoted or a co-worker being promoted and you are resentful and you're discontented because you said, I should have been the one to get that promotion or I should have been the one to get that house or that new car or whatever it may be. Because it was something that you're saying, but why God, God why didn't you give it to me? The, 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 that is bitter envy. And James is saying that just as Joseph's, Joseph's brothers hated him because he was loved by his father and he was given that, that, that coat of many colors. James says envy has a way of, of intensifying and becoming worse and worse until we see Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. On the other hand, jealousy is being competitive. So there, though, though we use the word sometimes interchangeably, there is a difference between envy and jealousy. 
envy is that I am resentful and I'm discontented because you got something that I want. Jealousy is being competitive because of the fear of losing something you own to a person that you are rivaling with. So we talk about people being competitive. We talk about people being jealous. We talk about people being envious. And what, what James is saying to us, all of those are linked to earthly wisdom. Jealousy stems from rivalry. It is the fear we experience when we believe that we are being replaced in a relationship or we are losing something to someone who, are, who, who we are competing against. We see that in sibling rivalry. We see that in the workplace. We see that in so many different aspects of our life where we see someone competing against each other. Selfishness is the pursuit of personal gain. All you can think about is what you need for yourself, irregardless of others. All you can think about is yourself. All I can think about is myself and what I need for my own success. And so James is saying the person who, who embodies earthly wisdom has the characteristics of en being envious, being jealous, and being selfish. He also said that earthly wisdom is unspiritual and it's demonic. It lacks spiritual insight. It promotes segregation, it distrust, mistrust in our workplaces and in our communities and in our homes. It does not encourage perseverance, but instead requires instant solution. That's the earthly wisdom that the world, that the world promotes. The earthly, earthly wisdom promotes us doing it our way instead of God's way. So we, we have a decision to make. And as we, as, we, as we had a discussion this morning where we mentioned when things go wrong, we try to fix it on our own. And when we try and it, we are unsuccessful, that is when we turn to God. James is saying to you and he's saying to me, that is earthly, unspiritual and demonic wisdom. It promotes doing it our way instead of God's way. It judges what it, we do not understand. James said, when you exercise earthly wisdom, you look at things that you do not understand and you make a call on it. Because in your logical mind, this is how it is. This is how it should be. James says, earthly wisdom encourages us to curse and not bless. It encourages us to offend. And even it shows some level of inconsistency. Earthly wisdom promotes us getting even and repaying evil for evil. So whatever you did to me, I'm going to do it back to you. Because earthly wisdom says eye for an eye. Earthly wisdom promotes self-deception. So we so so earthly wisdom says it's okay to look at the Bible, it's okay to read it, and it's also okay to walk away and decide which parts of it you will obey. It is okay to decide which sections I will apply to my life. It is okay to say, I am the captain of my ship. That is what earthly wisdom says. It cannot see growth as opportunities for growth. It cannot see trials as opportunities for growth. 
Instead, it promotes complaining and fear and doubt and quarreling. Earthly wisdom causes you and I to make statements like, I am only human, I'm not Jesus. That is earthly wisdom speaking. Not only are you looking at your limitations, but you're looking at your flaws and you're looking at your sin patterns and you're saying, it is okay for me to do this because I am only human. That is earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is driven by self-interest, human desire, and the pursuit of worldly success. Earthly wisdom is based on human experiences. And so it's all about what I've experienced. And if, if it doesn't match with my experience, it is out of the norm and it has to go through the door because it doesn't align with what I think it should look like. Earthly wisdom is based on human reasoning and the values that the world place on things. Earthly wisdom prioritizes material gain, personal ambition over spiritual growth. I don't know if you grew up in a home or you heard of a story where a parent will say to a child, Monday to Friday, no, no, you have to work, you have to work, you have to work, but Sunday you can rest. So there's no need for church because God is not important. That is what we have sold our, our, our families when we say that to them. You can, you can stay home on a Sunday. We never stop them from school Monday to Friday because we have sold our children a message that education is, supersedes your spiritual relationship with Christ. What you become in life supersede what your relationship with Christ. And that's the messages we have sold our children we have sold our neighbors. We have sold our friends. It is okay to miss church. It's okay. You don't have to go to church. But don't miss Monday to Friday because that's how you pay the bill. That's how you prove in the world who you are. Earthly wisdom aligns more with the values of the world than with the divine principles of God. Earthly wisdom lacks spiritual insight and is connected to evil characteristics. On the other hand, James, as he compares and contrasts the earthly with the heavenly wisdom, he says heavenly wisdom is pure. It is peace-loving. It is gentle. It is considerate. It is submissive. It is full of mercy and compassion. It is impartial. It shows no favoritism. It is sincere. It is unwavering without hypocrisy and it produces positive attitude. It is heavenly wisdom because it comes from God. Notice the difference. Where the earthly wisdom is from man, the heavenly wisdom is from God. God's knowledge, God giving us understanding to understand his plan, his purpose, the way he does things and his mindset on things that you and I may not understand and need to make a decision on. Heavenly wisdom is pure because it is untainted by selfish motive. It is not motivated by my own, my needs only. Heavenly wisdom is peace loving because it promotes harmony and unity. It is gentle because it, it is prompted by love and it is, and it is sensitive to, to showing kindness. Heavenly wisdom is considerate and submissive because it reflects a servant heart. 
It is full of mercy and compassion because heavenly wisdom says, I forgive you 70 times seven. And I extend compassion. Heavenly wisdom says, I am impartial and I do not show favoritism because our God sees all men as men as equal. And it is free from bias and genuine in its intention. Heavenly wisdom is unfavoring, unwavering, sorry, without hypocrisy. It produces positive attitude because it is motivated by right thinking and love towards others. So James is saying to you and he's saying to me this morning, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good deed, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. James is challenging believers. And he's saying, if you think you're wise and you think you're understanding, demonstrate it by what you do. Show, let your action reveal the wisdom that you are being influenced from. Because all of us, let us not be mistaken, we are influenced by one or the other. It's either the world is the one impacting you with, with your decision making, with how you live your lives, or, or, the, or the heaven, God himself, is impacting or influencing you in terms of how you live, in terms of how you choose. But James said, do not be mistaken. You can't live both. Just as if he, when he told us last, we, we looked at last week, where he said, you cannot be a fig tree bearing orange. You cannot be a, a, a salt spring be producing fresh water. He said, we have to be consistent in what we do. We have to be consistent in our actions. So today I can't be influenced by the world where I'm evil, I'm manipulative. I, 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 I am envious. I am jealous. I, 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 I am selfish in my motive. And then today I am trying to be humble. He says, no, be consistent. Because if you are wise and understanding and your wisdom comes from God, it will show up in your actions. So how can you and I demonstrate wisdom and understanding? James alludes to us showing our good conduct. He said humility, he said a good life, a good action, a good conduct. We conduct our lives according to the wisdom of God. He speaks about the deeds, the things that you and I done, done in humility. It's not done to boast. It's not done to brag. It's not done to be seen. It's not done that others will come and say, oh, wow, look at what she's doing. No, he says it's done with a meek spirit that comes from the wisdom acquired through personal and experiential knowledge of God. So James make it clear to us this morning. And he said, there are results of earthly wisdom. Otherwise, I would call it side effects. If you are constantly being influenced by the wisdom of the world, you're going to be envious. You're going to be jealous. You're going to be competitive. You're going to be selfish. If you are constantly being influenced by the world, you are going to 
find that you are being driven towards evil practices. This order is going to show up in your life. Those are the results of evil wisdom. This order disrupts harmony within us. So anywhere there is this order, whether it is in our home, whether it is in our minds, whether it is in our lives, whether it is in our, in our relationships, harmony will not flow. Think about something that you, you put on, you, you can't find in your house because you didn't spend the time to put things in place for, for a week or two weeks. Say you're very busy and you didn't get a chance to clean. You didn't get a chance to straighten out and iron out things. And you're looking for one thing, but you can't remember where you put it because you didn't get a chance. That's this that, disorder right there, right? You are disrupted. In that, in that time while you're spending the time trying to contemplate, where did I put that thing? James is saying it the same way when you're, when you're influenced by the world and the wisdom of the world, your life is disrupted. Harmony is lost. Not only is harmony disrupted in your personal life, but it's disrupted in your relationships. When we are influenced, when, when we make our decisions based on what the when someone hurt you, in evil practices the pursuit of selfish ambition is an evil practice and this leads to actions contrary to God's will for every time you and I are selfish check what happens we are practicing something that is evil because what selfish ambition says or what selfishness says, it is about me. It's never about you. It's always for my benefit, my way. This is how I would do it. This is how I want it to be done. James says, wherever the world comes in and influences the wisdom that you, you practice or the, demon, or, or the way you live your life, James said, there is a guarantee that there will be a disruption. There will be disorder. There will be evil practices to follow. So examine your wisdom. Where is your wisdom coming from? Do you think that your job is more important than your relationship with God? Because if you think that way, you know what, you know what wisdom that is. That's never God's wisdom. God's wisdom put, puts God first. What are your motivations? Are you motivated for some things that, that would give you success, material success, more than a thing that would give you success in intimacy with God? Check it. James is saying to you, that's earthly wisdom. If you find that you have bitterness, envy, jealousy, and selfishness in your heart, James says, do not cover it. Do not deny it. Not, neither do, do not boast about it. Boasting that you are wise, both James says, isn't wisdom. 
twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise, James says that is not wisdom. Covering the truth when you know that what you're saying or what you're doing is wrong. James says that is not wisdom. Hiding the truth about your desires and motivations isn't wisdom. Boasting reflects a lack of emotional intelligence. Boasting is inconsistent with spiritual growth. Boasting always stems from pride and arrogance. Where there is boasting, humility is missing. Boasting reveals insecurity and an insecure person boasts to gain recognition, validation, and approval to compensate for the internal fears and doubts. It is more constructive to address and manage envy, jealousy, and selfishness than to boast or to deny its presence. And we can call it all different names. We call it competitive. We call it ambitious. We call it all different names. But what James is saying, listen, once it is driven towards being selfish, it is envious, it is jealousy, it is a selfish ambition, it is selfishness personified. And whatever name we can call it, a pretty top. James said, if you are displaying any of these, you are being influenced by the world. So James urges believers to know what is right and to practice what is right. James says, not only are we to have wisdom, but we must prove which wisdom we have by our actions. My action is an inevitable outgrowth of my wisdom. Your action is an inevitable outgrowth of your wisdom. Whatever you do sends a message. It tells those you are communicating with and to that I am being influenced either from the world or I'm influenced by God. I demonstrate the type of wisdom I am cultivating every time I conduct my life, every time I communicate, every time I work with every deed that I do, I communicate, I demonstrate the type of wisdom that is impacting and influencing my life. So how do we cultivate and practice true wisdom? According to the message version, it says, do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? He says, here is what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It is the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Eugene Peterson through the message version is saying, listen, you can say anything, but your actions speak louder than words. There was a song when I was growing up, said, not a bag of mouth. A bag of mouth. I don't remember the entire word, but it was a reggae song. It said, a bag of mouth. James is saying, it's not about a bag of mouth. It's not about what you have to say. It's about what you do. Your actions speak louder than your words. We have this saying in Jamaica, sticks and stones can break bones, but words cannot enter. Lie. Lie. Sometimes people will forget the cut. 
but they won't forget the words that were spoken. And James is saying, the way you and I conduct our lives dictate the influence that we have. We watch many things on television and we read many books and many articles. And sometimes unknown to us, we walk away not understanding how what we just read and just saw and just heard is impacting what we are doing. I remembered years ago when my children were younger, I was invited by a friend of mine and her husband to watch a movie. And we went to their house and we watched the movie. It was a very, it was an action show full of violence. And at that point in my life, I was more inclined towards violence than I am now. I loved violent movies. Those I would never, you would never catch me watching a Hallmark movie because it, for me it was too boring. And so I loved the shooting and I loved the killing and I would see someone being shot and I would, nothing, no emotion. And I remember when we were on our way home and I said to my children on approaching my, my gate, I said to them, when we get to my gate, we're going to all open our doors instantly. Four of us, we're going to open our doors instantly. In my mind, I, if, if there was a thief lurking, he would be confused because four doors are open and he would know which one to attack. That was my strategy because I was now influenced by what I was just watching. And we got to the door and I said to the got to the gate and I said to my children, all of us, one, two, three, open your door. There was no thief. But it showed me how I was influenced just in a short while by watching a movie two hours long. What is influencing the thing that you are doing? What is influencing your prayerless life? What is influencing the way that you speak? What is influencing your lack of, 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 of trusting God? What is influencing the heart that you have towards God? Because when our heart towards God is not pure, because we have allowed this world to speak to us, we cannot see him as the provider. When the world says to you, God helps those who help, them, help themselves, we cannot trust God as the provider. When the world says that if you don't have a four, and you hear me labor, belaboring this point more than once. When the world says to you, if you don't have a 401k and you don't have a pension, how are you going to manage? That's the world. When the world says you have to insure your car, you have to insure your house, you have to insure your toe, you have to insure your hand, you have to insure your glasses, you have to that's the world creating fear and telling us that if you don't do these things and put these things in place, dog, nyam, your supper. The world is always trying to influence us in a way that is contrary to the influence of God. So Eugene Peterson says to you and I, he says to this morning, live well. Ensure that your lifestyle is one that is well lived based on the standards of God. He says, live wisely. Don't depend or draw on earthly wisdom to make your decisions. Let, it, let your decisions be influenced by God. And I'm speaking this message and I'm speaking to myself because I'm at the place in my life that I need to make some decisions. Live humbly. Be meek. Don't be boastful. 
It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. The next point is seek God in prayer. In James 1 verse 5, James says, believers are encouraged to seek wisdom. The good thing about it, you know, that is what James says. Guess what happened? There is this generous God that when you come to him and you ask him for wisdom to deal with your situation, he generously gives. He grants it without rebuking you or finding fault. He will never say, oh, you, how come you don't have wisdom for that? He gently, generously gives. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us that for us to operate in this world and to use the wisdom of God, we have to renew our minds and transform our thinking to align with God's wisdom. And sometimes I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God's wisdom sometimes seems as if it don't make sense. But James says you can't practice the world's wisdom and serve God. Choose. We have to choose. In Proverbs 11, verse 2, it, it, the, 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 the writer says, cultivate a spirit of humility. Because it says humility comes. With humility comes wisdom. So just as our false and earthly wisdom causes this order, in verse, in verse 18, James is saying that those who practice true wisdom are likened to peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Look at the difference. He's saying the man who practices earthly wisdom, the one who is envious, the one who is selfish, the one who is jealous, brings this order and evil practices. That's the result. But he's saying to the man and the woman who practices the wisdom, who, who, who develops, who cultivates, who seek to, to allow their lives to be impacted by the wisdom of God, the heavenly wisdom, he says he, he likes you to a peacemaker. Because he said, then and only then, not only are you peace-loving, but you sow in peace and you in, in essence, you also reap a harvest of righteousness. So overall, James is saying to you and I through James 3, 13 to 17, he provides a clear distinction and he says, you either have served, you either get your wisdom from one or the other. One, earthly wisdom, false wisdom. Heavenly wisdom, true wisdom. The heavenly wisdom is characterized by humility and godly, and godly virtues. While the false wisdom or the earthly wisdom is characterized by selfishness, jealousy, envy, and it leads to destructive behaviors. It's like every time you make a decision based off the world's standard and the world's way of doing things, something goes wrong. Something goes wrong because you because there's no way being a, a, a kingdom member. It's like you're driving a Toyota, but you're going to buy underparts to put in it. That that, that can't work. And James is saying to you and I, is a cultivate this mindset. The same mind that was in Christ developed that mindset. 
Jesus constantly went to his father for what he needed to do. He sought him. Jesus sought the father. You and I have decisions to make. And if we don't have one to make today, we'll have one to make by the end of the week or next month. And James is challenging you and I this morning to examine the wisdom that we are allowing to influence us. Are you harboring bitterness and jealousy and resentment and discord in your life? Because the world says, protect yourself from those who you think will hurt you. James says, that's earthly wisdom. Because James says, Jesus died. He gave his life. In the song this morning said, what a friend we have in Jesus. He who had no sin, he who knew no sin, became sin that you and I can sit here this morning. James said, he is the model. He is the standard. And so James challenged you and I this morning to examine the wisdom that we have. And he encourages us to seek and live out the wisdom that is aligned with God's principles. The world will always have, the world speaks very loud or loudly. The world has a lot to say. And I am in the place where the world is shouting in my ears and I am finding myself looking and thinking and planning because my heart is influenced by the world that says, this is what you need to do. James argues, and he would argue with you this morning. And he would say to you, true wisdom is not just about knowledge or intelligence. It is reflected in your character. It is reflected in your actions. True wisdom is demonstrated in how you live and not by the way you talk. Genuine wisdom is marked by humility. After this morning, we hear James speaking to us so loudly. And he's calling you by name. And James know. James know that we, you and I would need it this morning because we are at the place in our lives where we are going to make decisions. And some of us are, at, are closer to the finishing line to making a decision than some. And James is saying to you and he's saying to me, ensure that your actions align with God's principles. Ensure that your decision-making process is in alignment with what God would have you do. Ensure that your priorities are aligned with God because the world says, this is how you live because you need to have this. And if you don't have that, something is wrong with you. And we are, we are sucked into the world. The world says you need to hoard because if you give, you're going to have a lack. And the world said, how dare you have a lack because you be look down on if you don't have. And God says, look to me. Not me, Ava, him. He says, look to me. Because once your heart is pure towards me, 
you will trust me for everything. You will trust me for provision. You trust me for the wisdom you need. And the truth is when our hearts are not pure. When our hearts about God is not pure. And as much as we want to say yes, our hearts toward God is pure. Or our hearts are pure. The truth is the fact that we are but doubt about him. The fact that you and I, and, and, and don't think I'm talking about you alone. I'm talking to myself, Ava. The fact that you doubt God at any point, it means that your heart towards him is not pure. It means that you are yet to see him for who he is. You're yet to see him in the majestic and powerful and suffering God that he is. We're still reducing him to the mere dibby dibby. Mere little little. We, we think that if I think Ava thinks that if Ava does this, Ava can assist God. And Ava tries to assist God many times. Maybe you're not like Ava. But if our wisdom does not align with God's principles, we are being influenced by earthly and worldly principles. So, Father, James was written for me. I just get an opportunity to share. That's a, that's a privilege that you have given me to share it with others. But it was really written with me in this season of my life. Where you're saying to me and you're saying to those who are hearing my voice this morning. Who is influencing you? Where does your knowledge and understanding comes from? If you find bitterness and envy and selfishness in your heart, where is that coming from? Is that from God? No. If you find that you can't be at peace with those you, 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 you live amongst, those you work with, those you meet on the street, James says, check it. Why? Why do you get so upset when someone cuts you off? Is it because you feel that you, you're, you, nobody should have done that to you? Do you know who I am? Why do you segregate yourself from others? Do you, because you think that you're better than? James says, no. That's earthly wisdom. Why can't there be unity and harmony in your neighborhood, in your home, in your workplace, where you are the one forging it? James says, the world says, we withhold ourselves from others. But God says, no, you go and serve others. And so, Father, I thank you this morning for your word to me and through me. I thank you, Father. I genuinely thank you this morning for the privilege to speak on behalf of God. I thank you for you, that I am a vessel through which you would speak. I pray that those who hear today and those who will hear in the following weeks, that this will not just be another word, but it will be a word, Father, that challenges us to grow. It will be a word, God, that challenges us to check which wisdom 
who am I being influenced by? Who is influencing the thing that I do? Is it something I read? Children, you um, you must be independent. I remember hearing that, and you must be independent. You must depend on people because it's bad to depend on people. Is that God's wisdom or is that man's wisdom? And so, Father, I pray that at NLH, Lord, we be a people. Lord, at every decision that we need to make, it is influenced by you. Every step we need to take is influenced by you. Oh God, that even when we look stupid in the eyes of the world, God, and many times, God, because we claim to know you and because we desire to get closer to you, Lord, we look stupid in the eyes of those who are looking at even in fellow believers eyes we look stupid when we are desiring to come closer and the decision that we are making makes no sense to the world god but this morning i hear you speak to me choose ever which god you will serve either will you serve the god of the world or you'll serve me that's what i hear you say to me this morning who will you serve as a father this morning, Lord, with the limited, limited information, limited knowledge, limited wisdom, I choose you, God, this morning. And I pray that you'll be the choice that everyone who is listening this morning will make, that we will choose you. We'll choose your wisdom. Your wisdom that is peace-loving and humble. God, humility sounds like being a mat. And none of us want to be a mat to be walked upon. None of us want to, to be the one that someone clean, especially the back door mat, not even the front door mat that is kept clean and swept out, but the back door mat that nobody pays attention to. But you're calling us to be humble, to be meek, so that we can reap the righteousness that comes from you. So Father, we bless your name this morning. Take joy, my king. As you look at our hearts, because you know us internally, you know us, you know our thoughts before we even think them. I pray that our thoughts and our actions in all situations will reflect the wisdom of God. So we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.